Hey, Honeymooners, you can find ad-free episodes, Moshe's DJ sets, merch discounts, and so much more on our Patreon. Check it out at patreon.com slash endlesshoneymoon or click the link in the description of this episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Endless Honeymoon podcast. <laughs> That's Natasha Legero. And that was Moshe Kasher. You got it. Got some updates for you. Got some hot updates since the last time we taped. Uh, the day after we heard the doctor tell us uh, we could go, sur- I could go surfing. I was very excited. Los Angeles County shut down every single beach in L.A. My birthday's tomorrow. I wanted to go to the dang beach. Well, we would have to drive outside of city limits, and it probably wouldn't be responsible. Speaking of irresponsible, my friend who has COVID-19 is in his COVID-19 bed right now, who I surf with all the time. Andrew Michon is his name. He's got a podcast called Podcast But Outside. He just put an Instagram post up with a, with a sick pic. You know, it's like a hot, sexy pic where you have like COVID, but you kind of look good still. Uh, that's not really a thing yet, <laughs> but, but <it> his is. <laughs> it will be. I was texting. He has a mild case. And I was texting. And with, to be fair, he hasn't gotten tested. So you're not, he's not exactly No, he sure. went and got tested today. Oh, you didn't tell me that. I, he doesn't know if he has it. To be really fair, he doesn't okay. know if he has it. But he did go get whatever that big cotton swab shoved up his nose today. But he was like thinking he had it. He had all the symptoms of it. I was texting with him and he goes, you should go surfing right now. <laughs> it's really empty. And I go, <laughs> I, go I, I don't know. I, that seems pretty irresponsible. He's like, I don't think it's irresponsible. I was like, where are you texting me from again? Literally, you're convalescing in your COVID bed right now, telling me best practices for how to <laughs> yeah, how to you, social distance. You can't take advice from someone who has COVID. Never take advice on responsible social distancing practices from somebody with COVID nineteen. I I totally agree. COVID eighteen. Okay, <laughs> you do what you got to do. A not so novel uh, strain <laughs> of the coronavirus. Less perhaps. novel. Much less novel. Short story. Yes, you go for it. Um, we've been we've been walking, doing family walks, doing some family isolation walks, and we will we'll run into other people with kids, and we have to hold our kids back well, from one touching. Of the, yeah, one of the most depressing parts of the whole thing is like the kid at our age just doesn't know what's going on, which could be a blessing and a curse, right? I mean, if they if she, she really knew what was going on, she'd be like, "What the fuck is happening? Why am I not able to go outside anymore?" But generally, just all of a sudden, we're around all the time. She doesn't go outside or see her friends, and we. We went for a walk today, right? We walked by uh, our friend's house, Brendan Walsh, and it. And, and they waved through a window. They wait like two little kids were like best friends, their little daughter and our daughter, waving at each other through a window, unclear on what was happening. I don't really think the kids at two really know what's happening. But they know they want to hang out with each other. Well, they also think that they want to like only like use a knife and like only eat syrup. Right. So you think they're just too dumb, too dumb to notice? Yeah, I mean, kind of. Maybe if they're kind little... of my friend Andrew is too, a little bit too dumb to notice in a way. Uh, we have an update also on the um, on the German Shepherd situation. So, so this woman comes over. We meet this dog. We talked it about it last week. Very scary to me. Scary I was just beast. a little too scared. And like one day went by, the day after, I said, Moshe, you should probably tell this woman we're not interested in the dog. So I was going to go text her, but it was one of those texts. You know those kinds of texts where you're in a business interaction and the person is so weird that you kind of know when you say I'm not going to buy the thing. It. I said to Natasha, I think it's, she's going to not be cool. 
the reason and why I through. knew she wasn't going to be cool is because she thought it was normal to just leave this vicious dog at our house with nowhere for it to sleep, not having met our three other dogs and only met our baby like for one second. Right. Do we? T- I don't know if we talked about the fact that when, when at the end of the petting situation where we met the dog for like four seconds, she was like, oh, I'll come back on Thursday and give you a training session. And we were like, great. That sounds great. So we'll think about it till Thursday. And she's like, no, I mean, you buy now. And we were like, uh, we just, we don't even, we just met the dog. You just said all these things it needs, like a kennel and all this other stuff. We don't know. And she's like, she kind of huffed off and she, I go, it's a big decision. And this was the big red flag for Wait, me. Oh yeah. Well, she goes, it's not a big decision. It's like a, <laughs> a hundred pound German shepherd that she claims is trained to kill. And she's like, just take now. It felt very useful. Remember car when salesman. she started laughing at me because I asked if the, German Shepherd, if it was okay, if it was 40 degrees outside for it to be sleeping outside. It is wearing a fur coat. Anyway, she texts Moshe, would you please read her last text? Well, I texted her. I said, very respectfully, I said, I think we're going to, um, we're going to pass on the dog. We've done some thinking. We don't think we're ready. And she wrote back, I wouldn't have wasted my time. I'm very busy. And I was like, well, I'm sorry for the misunderstanding. And she said, so I go, I'm sorry for the misunderstanding. Good luck selling the dog. And she wrote back, actually, I was thinking about you and your family. And you're in the middle of a crisis and are t- not emotionally ready for this dog. I'm like, but well, why were you going to sell us the dog with a hard pressure of a used car salesman or a timeshare uh, salesman? And, and then I was like, okay. I don't, oh, I didn't write back. And then she writes again. I knew she was going to write something like this. Good luck in overcoming virus. Uh, definitely sarcastic. By the way, <laughs> this part I kind of liked. Your wife surely needs to learn some manners. <laughs> Wait, but that, what she says at the end is the best. Tell her if she invites people to the house, don't tell them to put gloves on. This is just best practices. I don't for, know what she's talking about. I, I think there was a time when she touched a doorknob and you told me to put a glove on before I turned the doorknob. I mean, that was co- at the very end when she left. It's COVID. It's COVID. I was she very says, nice to her the entire time. She says outrageous. But then this line at the end, I kind of, I'm back on her side a little bit. Because she texts the third text, you are really need luck to live with her. So sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? She's right. I am really need luck. You need luck to live with me. <laughs> I am really need luck. I wanted. But, she's, but you blamed it on me. So she's like. No, because I said, tell her I'm not ready for the dog. Right. So now she's like mad at me. Right. I didn't do anything to her except at one point, I guess when she was leaving, I said, Moshe, make sure to use uh, a glove on the door because I thought that's what we were all doing. Right. I, it's, it's almost like she doesn't believe in COVID. Right. And she I mean, thought she, I was like a psychopath. Russian. She's probably too tough to get COVID. She's a Russian German shepherd trainer who pretends she l- grew up in Los Angeles, even though she sounds like a KGB agent. She'd be the worst KGB spy ever. No, I grew up in Grenada Hills. <laughs> I'm from here. I went to Michael. I went to Hollywood High School. This is my my hometown. You Soy must, un angelino. You must really need luck to live with her. <laughs> I, and she's not wrong, right? When you think of it, I I must. I can't need, believe really. I let you say that on the air. Well, I told you we shouldn't read it because it wasn't that flattering. But I mean, it's absurd. I didn't do anything wrong. I agree. She's a psycho. I just like fed her dumb dog 
20 pieces of chicken. No, she's a complete psycho. And the, the idea that she would want to give us a trained attack dog with a hot, hard sales pressure situation is just completely a red flag. Red flag city. Right. I kept trying to get our dogs out to meet the dog, too. And she was like, no, not yet. Right. So she wanted to not introduce the dogs, but leave the dog. Yeah. 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 So if you're listening, Putin, Putinette. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. So sorry. I wanted to write back, but Natasha wouldn't let me. I wanted to write back, you are right. This is a prison. Do you know any women for me? <laughs> she wouldn't let me write back. Um, well, my, my uh, I don't think you ever engage with crazy people. No, you're totally right. But there was so much fun that could have been. But you're right. You never engage. No, here's a better rule. You never engage with Russian crazy people who know your address and train killer dogs for a living. I think that's a good point. Never take COVID-19 advice from COVID-19 patients and never provoke a KGB agent with a killer dog collection. Well, speaking of taking advice, we thought we could get some advice and information, a little a little bunker-to-bunker call with our friends Rory and Jordan Scoville. Rory? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you pretty good. How are you? Jordan, are you there? I'm here. Jordan, you got to come over here. You can't do it from the backyard. <laughs> How are you guys? Uh, we are so... Never been better. So good. Yeah, we you know... So, so, so fucking so good. <laughs> I was doing some... um. <laughs> Some minor spray painting of our front gate today, and this couple walked by while I was out looking like a straight up crazy person, like spray painting my front gate. And they asked, "How you doing?" And I was like, "Good." And then I realized like no one is good at all. So I was like, "You know, kind of good, kind of. You know, I'm not dead. I'm not sick. I guess is." Yeah, how people are now. I don't. We're a thing. Yeah, yeah. What? What is? What is this? What do you call this? I don't know. I don't know. Rory, I've gotten some of my most intense social distancing schooling from your Instagram and Twitter pages. Oh, so, I'll tell you what. I I, uh, I pay for it. I pay for that. Oh, <laughs> with what? Unfollows? Uh, not so much unfollows. And honestly, it's not even that much. But there's so many people that they're like, they're like, you're spreading panic and like, shut the fuck up. And I'm... I a lot of them I just delete, but some of them I'm like, you honestly read what I'm posting, and you your your interpretation of it isn't oh this even if this guy's wrong, his heart is clearly in the right place. Like no part of you thinks that at all. Also, like when is it time to panic? It's like the world is closed down. It's, <laughs> yeah, right? it's like yeah. if if there was a time to panic, it seems like it would probably be around now. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yes. I mean, I got a. I, there was a Facebook thing I just read from a, a friend who's a comedian who was like, "I just believe in my heart of hearts that we're all going to be okay." And it's like, <laughs> what, what, what does your heart of hearts have to do with anything? <laughs> this is a virus. This isn't like a spiritual lesson for us to learn. Yeah. Like, Not an ayahuasca trip. Yeah, yeah. You can't like. Yeah. You can't beat it off with positive yeah. vibes. Like it's either has the rate of spread that it does or it doesn't have the rate of spread that it does it's not it's not about thinking positive 
yeah, this shit doesn't care about us. Yeah, no. I, I think I think someone putting that on Facebook, that's only applicable to like uh, the local news telling you to expect a bad thunderstorm tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's more like expect a bad thunderstorm that will maybe kill your grandparents. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, yes. so you guys are keeping it really tight. Like, I have a lot of friends who say they're social distancing, and then you like ask them two more questions, and they're like, "Yeah, but I'm working out with my trainer every day, and my assistant <laughs> comes to the house every day, and I'm having sex with two different girls, but you know, they're not having sex with anybody else." Yeah, I shut down Tinder. I'm only doing Bumble now. <laughs> what What do you think of that? Like, are you you're just like very passionate? Like, I guess I want to know. Like, also, Rory, what? what inspires you to be so active like you just believe this is what we should be doing? Yeah. I don't know. I think, uh, I think I do get enough people that message me that do work in hospitals and healthcare. And some of them tell me to not, uh, to not post some of the stuff they they're sending me and they just kind of tell me what their schedule has been like or stuff that they've seen. And, I I don't I don't know. I do sometimes post political rants and stuff cuz I I just get pissed off and I don't really care if if anybody wants to leave a negative comment or or start something, but I think with this I was like, well, I have uh 50,000 something like 50,000 followers somewhere in there and I was just like, "Oh, that's that's a lot of people that if if they see this, if a good number of those people see this and they also heed this, then maybe they spread it to however many people. Because I I, I don't know. I, I think after listening to Joe Rogan's podcast with the CDC guy, I was fully on board to be like, oh, I believe every word this dude's saying. And I think it's we got to like buckle in and we got to we got to run a tight ship. That's what we got to do. We got to get Donald Trump to listen to the Joe Rogan experience. <laughs> Totally. I know. Let's tweet it at him. I know. <laughs> I'm sure somebody's tweeting it at him. Jordan, are you as uh, gung-ho and as um, taken by the social distancing messaging as, as Rory? Or, or, or is he is he leading the charge in your couple, in your family? Rory, Rory is, I think, I would say more leading the charge uh, in terms of the cleaning of things that's coming inside. But we're both heating... Uh, the social distancing like for example we'll go for a walk in our neighborhood and friends of ours live down the street and they stand on their porch and we stand on the sidewalk like a lot more than six feet apart and when we're walking in the neighborhood we're you know walking in the street and avoiding other people and like we're both doing that but in Rory's a little more stringent about and I guess smarter and he remembers it's it's like changing new habits, right? It's or it's creating new habits to remember to clean off all of your your stuff before you bring it inside. And so it's kind of uh it's a little disjointing, you know, like because it's just not normal. It doesn't feel normal. And, and do you think this, we're gonna have to live like this for a while? I mean I do. I think at least the next couple months, I think. And I think it's uh, potentially forming good habits for us that we should 
maybe not, you know, wiping everything down with bleach before it comes into our house. But but, I think but that keep keep pissing on your cell phone before you're bringing it inside, right? That's yeah, what you guys precisely, are doing. Yes. Precisely. You guys well, know that, you know, that urine, urine and diarrhea are both sterile. So if you can diarrhea on your cell phone or pee on it, you're totally good. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Exactly. It's not just for jellyfish stings, people. Right. Diarrhea on your urine. phone. <laughs> Yeah. Do you think we're done with handshakes forever or, or for maybe for a generation? Here's what I think. I I think I think things are going to be kind of as they are right now until there is an adequate amount of testing to see who has what and who doesn't in order to start. See, like, I feel like right now we're everywhere is is so swamped because there's no way to know in advance what we're dealing with. And I think once there's enough testing, um, we can start to maybe get on top of it. But I don't think, I think realistically there's not going to be a vaccine that's globally accessible for, I I mean, I read something that said the fall of 2021 and I, I mean, I don't know anything, but all I've ever read is that creating a vaccine takes so much testing and time to make sure that it doesn't cause other problems uh right they say during during the one they say you can't rush a vaccine because they have to wait 14 months to make sure that it doesn't kill the person that took it yeah and so so that because that would be a real that would be a real nice irony wouldn't it if we all took a vaccine that killed 100 percent of human it would human beings it would almost be the cherry on top of the reality we currently live in but I don't even understand how any of this is going to be possible. Like people are going to run out of money in like one month. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, I mean, yeah. it's, it's it, bad. it doesn't make any sense. I mean, I, I get that we have to do this, but at the same time, I'm like, it just looks bad on at every level. Yeah. It ain't yeah. Good. I think, I think this stimulus, uh, I think this stimulus relief bill is going to, to help a lot for a certain amount of time for hopefully a lot of people but yeah i i think realistically we will we will have if this goes on for a very long period of time i think we're gonna have to conclude that money isn't actually a natural resource that makes any sense for survival anyways knowing that the the system that we're in it isn't that it it can't be broken it can be broken we just have to adjust to the fact that we have to go back to how things were at some point in time where people just contributed what their skill set was. And we may have to do that to rebuild. I mean, bartering and also just being like, you know, look at how many people right now are like, Hey, I know how to make bread. And if someone's like, well, I know how to harvest flour. As long as everyone is like, well, if I contribute something, am I taken care of? I, I think, I, I mean, I, I don't know what that reality looks like, but to me, that it's seems like Zoom. a more peaceful, <laughs> it seems like a more peaceful reality. Well, so what, what yeah, happens to stand up comedians in this new bar, the Burning Man that you guys are creating <laughs> in a future society? What do we do? We have nothing can to I, contribute. Have to provide? Can I, can I tell you honestly where my head is at right now? And it's so stupid, sure. but we watch one episode of the great British baking show with Elliot every day. Uh-huh. And Elliot's your lo- child. Yes. Yes. Yeah, she loves it. She loves it. We love it. And uh yeah, I I was like, you know, if if it gets to a point where 
people do have access to uh, food, like we figure out the food system and people just have to stay in their homes, we should try to just get really good at baking. And on the back end, uh, we'll move to British Columbia and we'll open a bakery. Wait, <laughs> and that will just be our new lives. Wait, but, but wait, the problem with there's so many problems with this plan. <laughs> First of all, why British Columbia? They they are they more likely to go to the barter system? <laughs> They're just I, as developed in capitalism as we are. Well, my reason for saying British Columbia is because it's so beautiful, but also because I'm like, you know what? If it, I don't know what this country is turning into, if Trump was reelected, I think I'd have to just move to a small town in canada where everyone's filled with compassion and cares about each other <laughs> and all they want is a stand-up comedian who's been baking for four months <laughs> i mean if you if if someone was if, if someone's like he's got look he's got a bakery during the day they have amazing pastries and then at night he runs an open mic yeah yeah no they're gonna they're gonna come in they're gonna take a bite of your morning bun and go I heard he was actually really talented at comedy. <laughs> <laughs> the mayor, the mayor of the town, comes and it's like, uh, we all spoke. We'd like you to get back into comedy. Yeah, yeah. Get back on we'd the actually, road. Yeah, we'd actually like to ship you back to America. <laughs> <laughs> well, if nothing else, you can develop a sitcom called Rory's yes. Rory's yeah. Rolls. I think would be a good place to start. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Rory's Maybe Rolls. That's, <laughs> that's I'll learn how to, to make rolls first. Rory's Rolls. Rory, I and also Jordan, I want your guys' perspective like I feel like Moshe's annoying me more than he ever has. Before. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> <laughs> what happened there? No, I just feel like this is such a hard time when you're in a couple because it's like we don't really get any time away from each other. Like, do you guys have any tips? You seem like you have a pretty, like, healthy relationship. Or have you gotten into any juicy, fun, ridiculous fights? Yeah, fights. I mean, but we, I think our fighting has probably been the same. Now it's just all, all about uh, our way of life. I, I, I kind of have a, I have a different, little bit of a different perspective. I think that you guys tour together. So you guys are together on the road and you're home. Rory's out on the road more often than not, and I'm home by myself. So for me, the adjustment is like figuring out how to share our space because normally I'm home by myself after Elliot goes to sleep and like, I've got my space and there's nobody else and I can do whatever I want to do. And now it's Rory and I together and i make her time. i make her nude model for me now that I'm <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny jordan i thought what you were saying what you were gonna say was J rory's on the road all the time and i'm by myself and so this has been a really awesome opportunity for us to reconnect as a couple <laughs> and have spend some time together and you really zigged when i thought you were gonna zag you're we're like getting there it's it's slow and coming but yeah. we got all the time in the world yeah 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 totally yeah, yeah no I, I, think, I, I don't know that i've been home this much so i'm it's uh it's an adjustment it feels bizarre to me but there's so many things at home that i've wanted to like do and i every time i'm on the road i always want to like be home and spend more time with our kid and and i'm like oh i'm you know and trying to find the silver lining and not completely throw away the horrific tragedy that's occurring outside 
Well, it is, uh, I, I go, oh, there is something from this that I am getting to do. It yeah. is weird, isn't it? That uh, Natasha's playing me this clip from this rabbi who was like, I, I, some of it was a little bit like over the top, like, you know, all of this is God's will type of message. But the thing he said that stuck with me was all of us, a lot of us have convinced ourselves that going out, spending time with our friends, being on the road, partying, eating in restaurants, being in bars is uh, working is our life. And, yeah. Yeah. and now we're home and we're not doing any of those things and we're still alive and still experiencing our life. And so it just it it it's kind of like how the Buddhists think about uh, the mind that you think of your mind as that like anxious uh, monologue that's constantly telling you you know you're not good enough or do this or do that. But then you start meditating and you realize oh there's a mind underneath my mind, and it's kind of like that like with what life is like like that. I thought that was a really profound idea. Like now that we've shut our lives down and we're still living our lives, like maybe we weren't noticing that we were we were kind of ignoring large parts of our life this whole time yeah well that's that uh i i agree with that. i think that's a great uh statement i that's what takes me back to what we were saying earlier about the the money system crashing is that realize that anytime i go out on the road and i get paid i'm always just like oh i'm i'm really fortunate i have a job that is is fun to do and it's i i get paid solely based on on me just being who i already am and and there's something that's so fulfilling about that that feels great and i'm sure you know that's something all comics relate to is like what a what a great thing to be paid for but i'm always like but what am i trying to do with this money it's it's i'm making it just so i can stay alive and it isn't a thing that actually keeps you alive (laughs) right 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 because now here we are. Rory, you're such a hippie. Yeah, you I, are. A hippie. Such a hippie. I honestly <laughs> he is such a hippie. I want to be I want to be, but I I I don't know how to fully embrace it. And that's why I wanted to call you guys. You guys are my Delilah. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to the market, I have been thinking a lot about uh lately about how at some point in human history we created money out of thin air, purely just somebody was like, actually, this puka shell equals a bag of grains now. And then <laughs> yeah, right. and then we exactly. kind of like, we, we kind of lost control. We created the market and then we kind of lost control of it. And then, you know, people like uh, 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 2,000 years later were like, I can't pay my rent. It's like at one point it was like, what do you mean rent? We all built this hut together. And now it's gotten so out of control that we're like, you know what? We're actually willing to kill grandma for this thing. Like we have to. It's almost like we created a god and then yeah. lost control. It's literally the Terminator. Like we, yes. we created this thing. We can't control it. We we've lost control of it. Now we're trying to make a blood sacrifice to it to hope that it will. Yeah. Up, we can appease it, and the rains will come again. You know what? I always I always think about how uh, like how v- really rich people, whether they're famous or not, but just really rich people, and like the lifestyle that you can live as a rich person. I always I always am like in the event of end times. Uh, this this worship of rich people or famous people, it would and literally in the snap of your fingers, it would go away if suddenly you were like, oh, we have to fight off this pack of wolves. And you wouldn't <laughs> go you wouldn't you wouldn't look to your right and be like, 
Where's oh Gal Gadot? God, Kim Kardashian. You would be like, <laughs> do you have a weapon and do you know what to do? Because we're counting on you. But does that mean that we should start like learning how to use weapons? I, I don't think th- that day, I'm hoping that day never comes, but I couldn't tell you. I don't know. Well, you are a hippie after all. If you're telling everybody to arm themselves, it seems like you have become <laughs> the hippie you've always wanted That's to be. That's what I told you. I'm torn. <laughs> there's a, um, did you, Natasha, did you have something? No, no. Oh, there's a, a passage I read in uh, in World War Z of all books, you know, the, the Max Brooks book. I mean, yeah. And it's it's really this fascinating idea about the zombies come and all of a sudden, you know, society's decimated and all of a sudden, all of the people that were the most powerful, the you know, the lawyers and screenwriters and politicians and, you know, the intelligentsia, the rich and powerful uh, people that had spent their lives developing skills that weren't functionally useful were completely like at the all of a sudden at the lowest rung of society because they had no value whatsoever like nobody cares and and then all of the people that they had employed you know like their security and the the gardener and the and the and the contractor and the the cleaning person like all of those people had real life skills and so all of a sudden they became the most powerful and important people in society and i it's like we're so close to that Whole thing you guys flipping. can't do anything. Me and Rory? Yeah. What can you do? I can like can... have sex and like cook. Oh, you'll be a prostitute. <laughs> hey. Okay. Hey, that's a respectable career choice. You're I right. rear the ch- right. I rear the child. What do you mean? You rear rear I like the your first thought. <laughs> <laughs> what do you what do you mean what am i gonna do i just told you i'm gonna have a fucking baker oh, he's gonna be a baker he'll be a baker <laughs> jordan what do you what will you do what will you do in the uh apocalyptic future what will your job be what would we i think that we could go along this baking route <laughs> <laughs> so you and rory are bakers or, I think we. I could build something if I had to. I could help you build a house. So you and Rory are British Columbian bakers. Uh-huh. Natasha. Is, I, I can keep house, watch the children, and entertain. Natasha is a woman of the night. Yeah. And <laughs> I am Jewish. So I will be yes. taken care of no matter what happens. We have a secret bunker where we all go at the end of, di- at the end of days. Even, even in our small post-apocalyptic town, you still have the secret bunker. <laughs> <laughs> I just go to that rabbi that I lo- watched a video of this week and he'll take care of me. Yes. Perfect. <laughs> well, thank you guys for talking with us. Yeah, thank you. Oh, this was yeah, great. Was thank fun. you. Thank you for yeah. reaching out from your bunker to our bunker. We love you guys. Love you love too. You Stay safe. Okay, bye-bye. bye bye. Bye. I was going to say on that call, but I'll just tell you now. I, I was just kind of teasing you I, I don't you're not really annoying me that much oh <laughs> but what i was <laughs> gonna you. say is i one thing I, I should have said to them which has been helping us is doing like exercise or meditation or yoga videos together right. or something we've been doing we did i did a youtube work youtube is crazy the resources on there i came downstairs yesterday i want to do a kickboxing workout i did a kickboxing workout today i'm a little sore from all the squats i did i'm like i'm gonna do an abs workout you and i did an abs workout together and then you can do a 20 minute a 30 minute a one hour oh and i forgot to say something too he was talking about the uh, medical professionals that reach out to him i had a medical professional reach out to me on instagram and uh she was like please don't say my name uh, because i'm not authorized to speak for the hospital and then i looked at her instagram url and it was so 
like hilariously not her name it was something like you know uh xbox 360 lover one two three or whatever so don't worry you're good but she was saying that it's important for us to get out the message that the hospitals are incredibly short of uh of of masks they need those all of those n95 masks that you hoarded if you have a hundred a box of them an extra box you don't need them as much as the first responders that are in the hospitals right now that are literally day after day coming into contact with people that 100 have covid like my friend andrew michonne the surfing legend of the covid19 community if you have them contact a local hospital and drop them off. Drop them off so that those people who are putting themselves in harm's way uh, don't get sick. I think that people who hoard masks, like anyone who's like, I'm going to buy 500 masks for me and my family, they're not going to give them back. Right. You don't think there's any hope. I think hope. celebrities are just hoarding masks. Well, there's other people than celebrities. If you've got them, give them. If you know anybody, spread the word. Maybe Send give half of them. It. Yeah, half of it. Send a tweet about it. Uh, put an Instagram post about it. Uh, be like Rory. Get the message out. Um, and speaking of getting the message out, I thought maybe... I don't know if we should do it now. Yeah, let's do it now. Um, I thought it maybe would be cool to... There's a comedian who actually does have COVID. I read a post that he that he put about what the experience was like. Can we call him? Yeah, I thought we'd call him tonight and, uh, and talk to him about what it felt like, what happened to him. How scary it was! How scary it was! He has, I believe, a pretty mild case. So. I don't know anyone who has it. What if I, I all the cases are mild? Well, like my friend him. Ari was. They just, are not all mild. People I know. Are I know. Literally dropping. No, I down. know, but I do think that like people who are on the young side right now are kind of torn between staying inside or rejoining society and just getting it. Right, but the problem with just going outside and getting it is not you getting it; it's you spreading it. I know. So let's see what it was like from a real person with real COVID-19. Um, we are going to call, his name is Chuck Armstrong, and we're going to give him a call. Hello? Hey, Chuck. Hey. Hi, it's Motion okay. Casher and Natasha Legero calling. Chuck, you? you do not sound sick. No, you don't. <laughs> He's like, oh, hello? Yeah, no. I, am, uh, I am totally over it at this point. I am, I am through it. How yeah. do you know that, that's, that you had COVID? Because I, uh, I got tested. They gave me the test. Well, let's start at the beginning. Um, all right. First of all, Chuck is a, is a very funny stand-up comedian. And uh, did we work together in, in Seattle many years ago? Yeah, yeah. Actually, so I'm, um, I'm, uh, I'm half of a, of a double act of a sketch duo. Um, and I op- my, my act is called Charles. We opened for you in Seattle in, I want to say, 2011. I remember the show. It was an epic show. It was so. I. It really was a fun, awesome night. What was really funny about that was, um, I remember because you were the headliner. Uh, like a lot of tickets were selling Ooh, yeah. way more than normal. It was the monthly. Yeah, yeah. It was the monthly uh, like alt comedy show in Seattle. You were the headliner, and so the producer, this guy Tristan, basically just decided to kind of do a bunch of the local comics as solid. So I think that show ended up being like three hours long. Yeah, the bill yeah. was like so massive of Seattle comics. Uh, but yeah, it was a fantastic show, man. I remember, I remember it. That. And you know what I remember thinking, Chuck? I saw your, your act and I remember thinking, I really like your partner. But you, I remember <laughs> thinking, I hope this guy gets sick someday. I hope that he catches one of the, one of the worst global viruses that we've ever seen. And wow, it's crazy how prayer, how prayer works. 
What's funny is that's actually the most common review that our act got back in the day. <laughs> a lot of praise for Charlie and just people wishing all kinds of plague and blight upon me. Well, you got so, it. All those prayers came true. I know. So let's start at the beginning. What happened at the beginning? How did you feel? And what did it feel like at the very beginning? So, yeah. Um, so first of all, like, I guess I should say, like, this seems to be like affecting everyone totally differently. Like people right. I talk to. Um, so this is, you know, like just me, but, uh, I woke up on, um, I think it's Tuesday that I guess it was like the 10th, I think. Um, yeah, whenever that, whenever that Tuesday was, and I felt like, um, like, like a little sick. Like I felt like I maybe had picked up like a cold or like a really mild flu. Um, and so I had like, I had like aches and, and chills and, um, like was tired, but you know, nothing, nothing that I thought was like that big a deal. Um, and in fact, I had a, um, I had a show that was supposed to go up on, uh, that Thursday and I called my, my producing partner and I was like, Hey, I, you know, I'm feeling a little sick with, uh, with COVID, you know, going around is like, you know, should we talk about canceling it? And he was also like, Oh, you know, I'm also feeling a little sick, you know, and we'd been hanging out that weekend working on the show. So he was like, yeah, you know, I think, you know, yeah, I think like, no, we should just like, we probably just got a cold or something. Like neither of us was coughing. It wasn't a big deal. Wait, you so did, we, did you do the show? No, we ended up not doing the show. So this was on Tuesday. The show was on Thursday. Uh-huh. So got then it. we get, yeah, we get to Wednesday and then Wednesday was the day when like all the sports leagues started canceling their seasons and we checked in again and we were both like, yeah, we're both still feeling about the same. We're not feeling, um, you know, we're not, we're not coughing. We're not feeling really bad, but like, you know, maybe we should just think about canceling the show. So we like kind of hemmed and hawed. We talked about, we canceled the show, but we were both a little bit like, you know, like, Oh, this is dumb. We just have a cold. Like, you know, we're being overly cautious, Like, but we were like, yeah, that's probably the smart thing to do. Um, I still felt the same. Like on Wednesday, I honestly felt like I like had had, you know, like just like a cold. Uh, um, and then on Thursday, I started to feel a lot worse. Like, uh, I, I, got, I got like a bad fever basically beginning Thursday night. So that, that was the night that we would that we were supposed to do the show. So we'd already canceled it. I was already like, we were in the clear there. Uh, Thursday, like my aches, chills got worse. And I definitely had a fever at that point. That was also when I watched, well, that was when I watched Tombstone. Yeah. You like, mentioned nothing more. You, you mentioned Tombstone a lot in your description <laughs> of getting COVID. And I really like, yeah, well, look, let me tell you when you have a bad fever, you know, you have, you have a lot of time to sit on your bed and think, but the diversity of thought that you're capable of entertaining is extremely limited. So you uh, can really just like focus on one thing. What, what were most of the thoughts beyond Tombstone? I, I'm going to die. I, uh, oh, well, other than Tombstone? No, I was like, I, no, honestly, I was like, am I going to start coughing? Am right. I going to start coughing? Because that was... Because you just you saw know, Contagion. Uh, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I hadn't watched Contagion. I was a little bit like, oh, I don't know if I should watch this with everything that's going on. I Definitely good choice to pick Tombstone and not Contagion. You would have had a much worse thank, trip. Thank you very, thank you very much. I mean, Val Kilmer does play a guy with tuberculosis in okay Tombstone. So actually this seems a, a little more similar to tuberculosis <laughs> than it does to uh whatever was in co- what was it called i don't remember what it what the disease in contagion was Nat- wait i'm, Natasha, I'm like what's, yeah what's the name of the illness from contagion oh, that's your remember. question for natasha i don't remember yeah 
But I, I, I have I to know. say, I, I'm like still waiting to see how this ends. Oh, well, okay. So he, you fa- I yeah, just want to know how. Invasion or, or tombstone? <laughs> no. Your COVID. Your COVID. I, I just want to know how many days was the it? They killed the villain in tombstone. That's how <laughs> no, it is. Sorry. Okay. So, all right. So I'll, I'll like, I'll, I'll like, I'll rush through this. So. Basically, uh, basically, got, Val got, Kilmer got, is a kind of a like he's an outlaw in a way, and yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's like, yeah, he's like conflicted, you know. And he like <laughs> the friends, you know, he like. Sorry, all right, I'll stop. Okay. Um, so, uh, so I got like a lot worse over the weekend. My fever basically got up to 102, and I started coughing pretty bad on um, on Saturday. Can I ask you so, about the cough? How did it did it feel different than a regular like I have a cough cough? Was there something unique about it? Yeah, well, so yes, basically, but but it didn't feel like a new type of cough. I don't know if this makes sense. It sort of feels like so you know when you have a bad cold and you're congested and you're coughing up a lot of phlegm, right? Yeah, like sure. it didn't feel like that. I had no like phlegm in my lungs. I wasn't coughing anything up. But usually at least in my experience when I've been sick like that, I towards the end of the illness will like just sort of cough like nothing up, just kind of like a, like you know they say dry cough is as a symptom, and I guess that's kind of the right description. So it was not a bad cough. I didn't feel like I was like hawking up a lung. I didn't feel like I was trying to cough anything up. It just sort of always felt like I kind of needed to like expel some air. Mm. Um, and and like, this was like this was, for two days. Yeah. So that kind of kicked in, I want to say Friday, Saturday, after so the fever started, like really kind of noticeably started Thursday and Friday, Chuck, Saturday. The, when you first yeah. coughed, did you freak out? Were you panicking when the cough began? Uh, a little bit. Yeah. But I mean, like, but, but still, because it wasn't bad, right? Like the, right. the things that I had been reading had been like people getting pneumonia and people, you know, like, having a hard time breathing. Um, and I didn't have any of that. Like it was just like a kind of like an annoying cough, almost like, uh, almost like you cough, like when you like, you know, drink a too big glass of water or something and you, right. you got to talk and you right. clear your throat, but it was like that intermittently, you know? So I was like, I would cough like that every, you know, like every 20, 30 minutes, just a couple of coughs, just, you know, just a couple of coughs, uh, sure. knew exactly what I was expecting. Um, and then, but the, I mean, it, it was never, it was never so bad that I had problems breathing. It was never so bad that I, uh, like was concerned about whether or not I'd be able to, you know, fall asleep that the cough would keep me up. Like the thing that was most concerning to me was that my, my fever got up to 102 and I couldn't remember the last time I'd had a fever that bad. Right. Like, I don't think since I'd been a kid, had I had a fever of 102. And what did that um, feel like? That, were, were you delusional? Were you feeling like... I had like some pretty like weird fever dreams. Like, like I couldn't remember any specifics, but like, I was like, you know, like very clearly like, you know, I, I and I like not to be like, I was like sweating through the clothes that I was sleeping in. So I would like put a change of clothes out and I was like having like vivid fever dreams. And, uh, and interestingly, the fever always got worse at night. So right. like I would wake up from like a night of sleep and be like, Oh, I'm, I'm getting better. I'm fine. And then at night, like, around 10 o'clock i would feel awful like just horrible and the only thing i could like do was crawl into bed and 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 try to fall asleep were you taking tylenol what were you taking oh yeah so um i started uh i started taking advil pm when the fever first came on uh and then i was reading about it online and um so this is i should say also like in the interest of responsibility this is just anecdotal 
But um, the I think like the French Health Ministry, whatever the French equivalent is of the CDC, I don't I don't know what the proper name is, and I'm sure it's not in English. It's, it's probably in French, so whatever I said would be wrong. It's le, it's um, Le Institut del Tombstone, I believe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, it's wow, how serendipitous. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Named it after that film. Yeah, it's because of the tuberculosis. So <laughs> yeah, they invented they, that. Uh, <laughs> they um, they had put out a statement saying there were some concerns that ibuprofen um, exacerbated the symptoms. And I read some of the like, I think it was like a there was a there was like a paper in, in like science. There was a scientific paper that I don't remember where I found that was about that topic that was describing how. Like the receptor, I don't know this. I don't know the science, unfortunately. Like I can't be specific here, and whatever I said would probably just mislead people anyway. But like there, there, like the science seemed to make sense from what I read. It was like, oh yeah, because ibuprofen affects your cells this way, and the virus does the same way. Like they might, they might like make the situation worse. So I switched to Tylenol um, when I was going to bed. So I was taking Tylenol PM at night before I would go to sleep, and that that did seem to really help. Um, the Advil didn't seem to help. Uh, but I also didn't notice it making it worse. So I don't want to like lead people astray. And I've since followed up and like a couple other health ministries have said like, no, there's no evidence that this is true. It's, I don't know why the French said this. So I don't know if that's the case. But in my experience, Advil didn't seem to help, but Tylenol did. Well, regardless of uh, of whether Advil's bad for you, everybody does seem to kind of agree that if you're having low grade symptoms, Tylenol does seem to help people. So that's that's yeah. at least good. We're, hey, we're not medical professionals, but we are comedians, right. and comedians are the modern day philosophers. Comedy's like a church. Comedy clubs are like yeah. churches. Comedy sets are like preaching, and so in that way, we're leaders of the community. So that's Chuck, an incredibly hot take. Thanks, wow. man. I'm, well, well, that's what comedians do. We kind of we're we're the thinkers, we're the philosophers, we're the we're, we're the the kind of the neo journalists. So, Natasha, did you want to cut me off and say something? I'm just like I just I'm still want to know. So from March 10th, when was it over? Yeah, what happened? Was it a 10 day situation? Like you seem very like in very high spirits so, right now. Oh yeah, I feel fantastic right now. The whole thing end to end basically took 12 days. So okay. so. The fever broke surprisingly, like almost immediately when I woke up on Sunday. Like I went to bed Saturday with a really bad fever, woke up Sunday. I should also say I was sleeping like 12 hours a night. Like right. I was, my body was just, was beat. So I would, you know, I would go to bed at midnight and wake up at like noon or one. Any, any, uh, any masturbation at all? Or are we too <laughs> sick for that? I was too sick, man. Yeah. Like, let me tell you, that's I, was, sick. I was so sick. That's how you know. That yeah, that is that how you bad know. bad news. Yeah. yeah. So no, no masturbation this whole time. Not even know. a tombstone. Yeah. yeah. No, well, no. I mean, wow. no, I mean, even despite wow. that accent, which wow. is incredible. That's, that's pretty um, intense. So Sunday, the fever breaks. So Sunday, the fever breaks. I wake up and I'm, and I'm feeling more or less fine. I'm still coughing, though. And um, I, ta- I call my doctor's office and my doctor was like, the, or the, the 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 receptionist said, you know, we don't want anybody to come in, but the dog, uh, like the office has set up like a video conference, so I do a video conference appointment with my doctor, and, and I no no system, masturbation during that either. Well, I mean a little bit. I mean, like you know, I was sitting at my desk, so and it's a webcam. Really, really, it's kind of a hot yeah, webcam exactly. situation, kind of role play. Sure. Yeah, yeah. My, yeah, my doctor definitely moonlights as a cam. Of course, girl. I, I don't cam know, doc. Yeah, I don't know. Cam doc. We all exactly, know about cam him. Doc. Yeah. Which so, is a role-playing situation. Yeah. So it's a good way for doctors to make more money. So, so what did he ask you? Um, he or asked she. me for my symptoms. 
It was a, yeah, it was a it was a guy. He it was a guy. It is a guy, a male doctor. Oh, he died of uh, COVID he that he caught on the webcam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like he he was like you know describe the COVID to me, and I had to make it really sexy, so it was sure. difficult to do that. He, oh, he died um, of horniness. He ran down the symptoms. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He uh, he went down the symptoms, and basically, I told him you know everything was going on, and he said he was like okay there's a good chance you might have it. You should get tested if you can. Um, but, you know, we don't have tests here at our office. Um, so there's a couple hospitals in New York. Uh, one of them was Bellevue Hospital, interestingly, which I've only known as a mental hospital. But, right. I, but he said they've got a ton of tests. He said, otherwise, I live in Brooklyn. And so he was like, if you're in Brooklyn, maybe try um, try an urgent care. So I was like, okay. So I went to a, I went to an urgent care uh, on the next day, on Tuesday. I'm already feeling I'm feeling about the same as I felt on Monday, but I'm still coughing. Are you but like I'm no fever anymore? As you're going through the streets of New York, are you like extremely freaked out about getting people sick? Yeah. So I was wearing a mask. I happened. I just happened to have a, an M95 Val Kilmer mask from. Yeah, yeah. I happen to have a Val Kilmer, one of those plastic Halloween sure, masks. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, That'll do it. Just I, I just, I've got a few, you know, and so I was like, this will work. This will filter out the, yeah. the, the COVID. So you have a no, mask I, on. I ha- Are you avoiding people? Um, I was then. I mean, I'm still isolating. I'll get, I'll get there. I'll get there. Yeah. I'll get there. I'll get to the, uh, the end of the story. Oh, sure. So, uh, no, so at the time, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I had a mask. So I, I was wearing the mask and I had a couple bottles of hand sanitizer. So I was like sanitizing my hands pretty much like after doing anything i would open my front door i would sanitize my hands before and after like anytime i opened the door to um like the urgent care the doctor's office whatever i was doing um and also i I will say like you know like of course like the urgent cares had hand sanitizer stations like up like you know three or four places inside uh inside the uh the reception area so I go to an urgent care and they're like, we don't have any tests. The only place that has them in Brooklyn is City MD, which I don't know if your listeners are familiar. City MD is kind of like a walk-in clinic uh, throughout New York. Um, it's a little like an urgent care, but, uh, but, uh, but I think like, you know, a little bit less hospital adjacent. So I had never been to one, but uh, it was cool. It was like very well run. Um, you check in at like a little electronic kiosk and they had, you know, massive hand sanitizer stations next to all of those. I go in to talk to the doctor there and they tell me that, like, okay, we do have tests, but you, I'm in my 30s. They're like, you are not at risk. You don't have any prior health conditions. You don't have any lung conditions. So we are going to test you for the flu first. So I had to have a flu test, which was like a nasal swab. And they're like, it'll take 30 minutes for this. So I had to just like hang out in this uh, doctor's office for 30 minutes. The test came back negative. And then they were like, okay, yeah, we'll, uh, we're going to test you for COVID now. It's going to be the same thing, but also because I'm, low risk, low priority, you know, they, they said they're not going to be able to get the results back for four or five days for me. They're not going to rush it through. So they said, you know, act like you have it, go back into social isolation, you know, social distancing, whatever, as much as you can act like you have it. So I said, okay, I went home. Did you start, and then did you start like coughing more just to really get into character? <laughs> like just to make sure they would give me the test. Well, no, just act like, like you have it. Like you're already feeling better. It's kind of difficult uh, to yeah, yeah. get a handle on the yeah. character. Like you might want to like really give give it give it a little oomph. Yeah, exactly. Still similar to what Kilmer did in Tombstone sure, sure, as a tuberculosis sure. yeah. patient, right? Where he really kind of cultivated the cough, right? Because it's yeah, a, no, it's I, unlikely that Kilmer actually had tuberculosis during that role. 
it's extremely i mean the guy's a method actor right so right i don't know maybe he found somebody you know to like give him some tuberculosis as he was preparing so okay i wouldn't be surprised i wouldn't put it past him no he's a great actor we can all agree on that he's fantastic he was robbed a that great, year a anyway, great batman uh, yeah well, one of the best top five easily top five batman um, so so you go home you're freaking out you're acting like you got it yeah, well, I will say at this point, though, I, I'm, I feel so much better than I did on Friday, Saturday, right? So, like, Friday, Saturday, I was, I was very freaked out. I was, I was sick. I had a 102-degree fever. I'm like, am I going to have difficulty breathing? Uh, kind of like what Natasha was asking about earlier. Like, I was just, like, sort of cognizant of, like, am I going to start coughing and will it get bad when I do? Um, but at this point, I'm now feeling fine. And the cough is still, it's not a bad cough, so I don't have a hard time. Breathing, I'm just sort of like it's a, it's like a light cough, but it, it persists basically like the whole, all of last week. I get a call, I think Friday or Saturday, and they tell me they're like, "Oh, you're like you tested positive for uh, for coronavirus," and I'm like, "What does that mean?" And they're basically like, "Okay, well, you had it, and you still have it, and um, you are like you should remain isolated from you know your family if possible for until 72 hours after." Uh, symptoms clear up. Uh, jokes on them. I live alone, so uh, I like that, that they wasn't really a concern. I like that they assumed it. They looked at you and they go, "So stay away from your mom and dad, uh, who you definitely <laughs> yeah, live <no> with." <laughs> they're like, "Yeah." They take one look at me and they're like, "Look, you're gonna have to stay. Yeah, your mom, your dad, you know, in the tiny apartment you all live in. Stay away from. Um, stay away from all nine of your roommates. That's going to be very important." <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. When you go back to your Bushwick apartment, uh, yeah, with five hundred other comedians, yeah, um, they're no, like no I, vaping. So, so now yeah, that you've exactly. had it, are are you immune to it? Like, you can only get it once. So, so I mean, like the sort of so the answer is like they don't really know. Hmm. Um, what it seems to be like from everything I've read and from what my doctor told me, both my my doctor and then the doctor at City MD who tested me, is that. Um, it's, I'm basically immune to this, to the strain that I, that I had. Hmm. So they're like, you're fine for that. And, you know, probably like most likely that would be the version of it that I would be exposed to again in the next, you know, six months or whatever. But they did say they're very worried about, um, mutation and they don't know how much the thing is mutating and the extent to which it's mutating whether you can get infected again. So they kind of told me, they're like, look, probably you're, you're fine, but we can't say that with certainty. Like we don't, we don't really know it's too early to know. So they, you know, said, please, you know, continue to use an abundance of caution. Please continue to distance yourself as much as you can, as much as feasible. By the way, Chuck, can we just take a moment to acknowledge what an amazing time this has all been for the phrase abundance of caution? Like it's having such a moment right now. Like you know what I mean. Right. Like, how often did we use that phrase prior to this phase of of, of reality? Like once, yeah, once every I, three I'm, years. Abundance of caution. I mean, I've, oh, never, yeah. I've never heard it more. I mean, an ab- you know right, what there I'm, is, Chuck? There's an abundance of abundance of caution being said right now. That's I couldn't agree. I couldn't have said it better myself. I, I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah, good. I know that I've. My saying of the phrase has increased at least, you know, 900% in the sure. last five days alone. So, so, now, so are you taking an abundance of caution? When did you feel, like, all better? 
I felt all better basically on this past, uh, uh, like I'll say like this past Saturday, Sunday. Like I, I was like, Sunday I think was probably the first day that I really like felt like myself, like truly like myself. What I will say that's been weird is even though like today I, I feel totally fine, totally normal, but I've still been very tired. So mm. whatever it took my body to, you know, get over the illness, like, like tired me out entirely. And even when the fever was gone, I was still extremely fatigued, like still sleeping, you know, 10, 11 hours a night. I'm still sleeping like 10 hours a night. No problem. Um, but otherwise I, I basically started feeling completely back to normal. I want to say like around Sunday ish, like basically Saturday, Sunday. So like 12 or so days after, um, after the first sentence came on was about when I started feeling back to myself. Chuck, no. I, th- I have an idea. I think you should get one of those Nalgene bottles. Look, I want to show oh. like one of these big, like, it's like these huge, I don't know, 48 ounce things of water and make sure you're drinking that much a day. Oh, yeah. Well, I have a, I am drinking out of a, a novelty Mets souvenir glass that That'll I got do. at a Mets game. That'll do. It's got, well, because it's got the, the ounce measurement on it to make sure you're not getting ripped off on the beer pour. And right. It's a 24 or 5 ounce glass. So I'm drinking like three or four of those a day. That's good. I feel like that's, yeah. I mean, it's just out of an abundance of caution, you should be drinking (laughs) that much fluid, you know? That's a good, and I'm drinking an abundance of fluids out of an abundance of caution. No, but it's easy to forget. And I sometimes think having a measuring thing, especially if you need to stay healthy, is is important. Because you can go a whole day without drinking water and not even realize it. Now, Chuck, yeah. uh, it's you're now in the 72-hour past symptom zone. Do Do you think that? Yeah. I, yes. Yes. So, I am. So, what are you doing? Are you back in the world? Are you Are you walking around like skipping through Times Square, going, "I I had it. I don't have it no more. Who wants a hug?" Yeah, like... yeah it's cool. I, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm licking subway poles. You know, it's, sure. uh, I'm just like getting back to my to my normal self. No, but I really am seriously curious. Like now that you've had it and you don't have it anymore, like are you more brazen? Are you still social distancing? Like, what's the deal? Yeah. So, well, there's a couple of things, right? Like, so first of all, like everything in New York is, is like totally shut down. Right. So bars and restaurants, to- totally closed. Um, like coffee shops, totally closed. Even if I like, you know, it's not like my apartment's not the coolest place in town. Like even if I wanted, but even if I wanted to go hang out, you know, with friends, um, they're, they're not going to leave their apartments and I still have to, you know, take the subway or, or take a taxi or a lift or whatever to get there. So it's not like it's not like there's a, a you know like a big world of activities to walk back into. You couldn't find um, some irresponsible millennials to go hang out with and smoke a <laughs> joint with or something. <laughs> I mean, I, I I guess I could if I got on. I'm not on TikTok. Maybe that's where they all hang right. out. I bet there's some like it. underground COVID dens. Oh, there's gotta be. You hear it today. Actually, there was a news story that broke. They had like an ironic COVID party in Kentucky. Like a bunch of young people were like, fuck this. We're fucking partying. And then one of the people at the party has it now. And probably the entire party is going to get it. <laughs> yeah. God, I mean, like, God damn. Like, so that's the thing, right? Like, people are like, when the, like, I started feeling sick and people on my block were like throwing Corona party. And right. I'm kind of like, I, I don't, this seems to be pretty real, guys. I, right. don't, I don't think this is the right time to be really not using an abundance of caution i agree chuck you might otherwise i agree chuck i think that's a good use of the phrase i have one last question for chuck too i know that we've kept Uh, you a long time what's like what's the vibe in new york right now it's pretty eerie frankly um it feels weirdly desolate 
like there's, I mean, like there's no shows. There's, I mean, like bars are closed. Like that's crazy. Bars are closed. Mm -hmm. uh, restaurants are closed. So I, I mean, like because I'm feeling fine now, I have like gone out on walks by myself. I've still like tried to do the social distancing thing because you know abundance of caution, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. Um, but like, so I'll like go walk around in the park and you see people like people are, you know, trying to keep distant and people are wearing masks right. and it definitely is like, it even still, it's like way less crowded in the park. Like for whatever it took, people seem to like now be taking it very seriously. Like you don't see people out. Right. Um, I haven't ridden the subway in like, I guess since this happened. So over two weeks ago, um, and yeah, I don't know. You don't see people coming up out of the subway. You don't see, it just doesn't, it just, it seems weird. It seems very sort of eerie and desolate. I think it's like, go ahead. I was going to say, it's like, if you've ever been in New York city on Thanksgiving day, it, it kind of feels like that every day. It's similar the, like, here in, in Los Angeles. Yeah. I think you should get a um, t-shirt printed that said, I had COVID I'm immune now. And then ladies question mark. Ladies? Yeah, is, something like is that. Lady, is, lady, is ladies on the back or is it all on the front? Oh, I kind of like the back. That's kind of fun. And then here's a cool thing. Once you're done using it uh, you know, for your personal life, when New York gets up and running again, you could probably sell it to a bunch of those gift shops in Times Square. Oh, yeah. That's a really that's like a really the good idea. idea. Okay, or I'm, I could sell it to like one of those like really overpriced vintage clothing stores that's for nice. way more than it costs to make. Oh, a real, a real COVID shirt. Natasha, you had another question. Yeah. Okay, I have one last question. Our last question. Because yeah, you're the only person, fine. you're the only person I've talked to who has who has COVID. Oh, right. Yeah. So before you got it, were you in any kind of like situation where you would have been around a lot of people? Right. Have like, you, were traced you traveling, it back? or do you feel so, like yeah? No, I mean, like, this is the, like, other than being in New York, which is such a, like, a, like, I don't know, kind of an obnoxious answer, but it's like, I don't know, I think like the L train services like 300,000 people right. a day. And I was writing that every single day. And the virus can incubate for up to two weeks. So wow. if I was, like, if I had it, you know, and had no symptoms, like, I was getting on the subway every single day for, you know, that's so before. crazy. New York is the yeah. perfect, perfect incubation center for this disease. It's so, oh man, it just really drives home the New York versus LA thing. Like <laughs> LA wins with a bullet, you know? Uh, wow, man. Yeah, man. Like, yeah, well, I, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't expect to come onto your, onto your podcast and, and <laughs> inadvertently me, throw my hat in the LA corner, but yeah, I guess you got me. Have me slam the big <laughs> apple. But no, but it is kind of eerie and scary to think about. Like everybody, everybody who had COVID in New York was riding in a fucking tube with a bunch of people that didn't have it and vice versa. I mean, it's like, that is really I mean, yeah. disturbing. Well, yeah. I mean, like also, I mean, like think about like, the, I mean, like all the activity, right. is necessarily also even like really crammed in. It's like, totally. I, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to comedy clubs that are in like tiny, tiny basements in the Lower East Side. I'm like, I'm going to the Barclay Center to like watch an Islanders game or whatever. There's right. like thousands of people there. Like everybody's touching the same stuff. Like if you're on the subway, you're going to bars, you're going to restaurants. Like, yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty scary. I think that people, I don't know. I think like the impact of the virus on New York specifically is is like much, much, much. It's going to be much more severe than I, I think anyone's expecting. Yeah, like, I've had a buddy of mine here in New York has all the same symptoms I had, and he now can't get tested because he's 
Because like, oh, he's no, too low priority. And... Exactly. Straight, so they won't even give him a test. Straight white man. You know, just <laughs> yeah. another thing, another widget against us, brother. And that's what we really that's, wanted to that, talk to you about. I sort of can't believe you assumed that my friend was white. <laughs> that's <laughs> I true. Mean, I live in New York. Strange. I don't know what it's like in L.A. But, uh... No, it's amazing. We, on, we only, only uh, stick with our own race friendship-wise. It's really <laughs> awesome. Again, another thing that's really positive about L.A. versus New York. Chuck, you're so cool to sit on the phone with us and let us like, ask you so many questions. Yeah, thank you so much. I, 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 do, I, I really uh, I'm happy that you're well. I think it's important also to say that what you had sounds like a typical version of the incredibly mild version of this. And yeah. So, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, please. Oh, I was going to say, I was going to say, yeah, because I mean, like the thing is that it just seems to affect people totally differently. Like anything you read, like, I think, I mean, I got incredibly lucky that I didn't have any trouble breathing, that I didn't have any pneumonia, like any of those things that that can happen to like, and that are happening to a lot of people. Right. Because my experience was that I read your uh, update on Facebook uh, and, uh, and, and it, I was like, oh, this is like, it really kind of brought my anxiety level down, to be honest, you know, because I'm like, you know, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm young and I'm healthy and, uh, you know, and then I read somebody else's um, description of his symptoms and he's also young and healthy. He's more my age than he is yours. He was 42. I'm closer to that than I am. Well, I don't know how old you are. You said you're in your 30s. There's, yeah. that's, a, that's a big old spectrum. But anyway. Uh-huh. Yeah, 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 whatever. You're like 42 in LA. So <laughs> no, I'm like I'm 40. Right? I'm 40 in LA, <laughs> but I I look 39 in LA, and mm. that's because of you know they say white don't crack. Um, right, yeah, they do say that. Yeah, in that's LA. a classic saying. That an abundance of co- an abundance of a melanin, a, a, no, a, a dearth <laughs> of melanin, a lack of melanin don't crack. At any rate. So then I read this other review. Uh, review. I'm the internet is ru- ruining is that everybody. A review of the virus. A review of COVID, but another description <laughs> of a of a healthy 42 year old. I mean, an athlete. You know, he's like a triathlon runner, and it fucking ravaged him, man. It it. Yeah. You know, he he had exactly what you described, but then it got worse and it got worse, and he the fever got worse he had to put himself in like cold baths and he was taking rescue inhalers and and uh then his it, it felt, he said it felt like he was right next door to, to death and so i just yeah so to the listeners if you're listening like this isn't chuck's chuck's story is not necessarily uh a don't worry about it it's just a it's a it's a it's a look at what at what this feels like from somebody that didn't get absolutely through the ringer on it i'm so glad you're healthy now chuck yeah, and and so am I. Yeah. Frankly, amen. Um, like, well, yeah. One last question before we let you go: um, Have you masturbated yet? <laughs> well, a New Yorker never tells. Okay, I think fair, you should know that. Fair enough. That's another saying: A New Yorker never tells. That's a white, yes. White don't crack, <laughs> and an abundance of caution. <laughs> I bet you there was an abundance if and when you did that gotta be after that build-up after covid build-up come on a new yorker never tells Marsh. i don't know if you i don't know if you i can say it with more of a brooklyn accent if it, if it drives the point home a new yorker uh, never tells a new yorker never tells Moshe. well chuck thank you you told a lot and it was incredibly uh fun to talk to you and in uh, enlightening too. and we're so, so happy that you're feeling better yeah thank you yes yeah. Thank, thank you so much. Uh, thanks for having me on, guys. And we'll, li- uh, we'll, link, uh, we'll link you on all the socials and stuff to our people, but appreciate uh, your time. Thank you, Chuck. Yeah, thank you very much. Have a good night. You too. Bye-bye.
Okay, well, this is the Endless Honeymoon podcast, regardless if it's the bonus episode or not. So what would we be if not a podcast that does some relationship advice? Should we do one call? Okay, let's do one. All right, let's do one call. Yeah. We're going to call Sharla in Dallas. Hello? Sharla. Sharla. Hey. It's Natasha and Moshe. What's going on, guys? Uh, you know, we're just co- in our COVID den, and uh, smell. There's a faint smell of bleach around us all, and uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're kind of trying to stay positive. Yes, it's a very weird time happening. Uh, what's going on with you? Okay, so I'll give a little bit of a story first. Um, so. I've been in my house since like last Tuesday when my job sent me home, trying to work from home, becoming a teacher to a seven-year-old at the same time. Uh, My husband's still working. He's considered essential staff at the hospital. So we're not really totally isolated because he's obviously at the hospital. Um, So to add another layer, I'm nine months pregnant and due next week. And, like, I'm scheduled to induce on Tuesday, hopefully doing all this before, like, the hospitals get overrun and while they're still allowing the partner to even be there while you give birth. Um, And also, if, like, I were to get sick or anyone around me gets sick, uh, they'll isolate the baby, which is, like, fucking insane to even think about. (laughs) And uh, so, with that being said, I've, like told some of the family like hey if you haven't been quarantined like you can't come to the house when we get home I'm sorry like even though like it's totally understandable I still feel kind of dickish about it um but the main one is my dad who takes everything really personal he can be irrational he's like the typical grumpy Long Island Jew and to give an example one time he came over to my house and I've adopted a dog and the dog like wasn't pumped to see him because he's like a abused adopted dog and uh, my dad left my house mad because my dog wasn't <laughs> excited <laughs> <laughs> to be fair a lot of dogs don't care for long island jews either i mean that's, a, that's especially in texas this is it a texas dog <laughs> yeah oh they could smell they could smell it on him immediately <laughs> But I mean, that's totally, you're right. And you have to have those boundaries. And I think it's smart to have those boundaries. And I think that, you know, if your parents don't understand, they will soon. Yeah, take it from me. Parents just don't understand. <laughs> so it, w- is your dilemma, what do you what do you say to him? Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't even know why I feel guilty. Well, I guess it's, a, it's in my DNA to feel guilty. Um, so <laughs> he just... I just know he's going to be irrational about it. And I mainly, the, the first reason why, like I even contacted y'all, cause I, I think y'all had talked about like weird quarantine situations. And sure. I was like, well, giving birth during a pandemic is kind of weird. <laughs> and also, you know, no doubt. Can you seem pretty calm. Yeah, like you do seem calm. You seem like you're pretty measured and like ready for, for what I, you seem like a pioneer woman who's just like ready to take charge. <laughs> yeah. You're a pioneer Jew. One of the few. One of the few. Do you feel? Do you feel any strength that's from from all of this, or do you feel like? How, where are you feeling as a pregnant woman about to give birth right now? 
Um, I mean, I've definitely had a couple meltdowns just imagining like, um, it's like, this is my husband's first child. My previous daughter, she's seven. Um, I was actually single when I gave birth to her, but I was good friends with her dad. (laughs) Like, and luckily like it's all as good as it possibly could have been, but it's still not the dream. You don't want to be a single person giving birth. And wait, are you allowed to have a child out of wedlock in Texas? (laughs) I know. That's a real question. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Yeah. So, so is he more freaked out than you are because he's not had a, had a child before? Um, I mean, yeah, he's definitely, he's playing it really chill, but I asked him like when we scheduled to induce on Tuesday, I was like, so how are you feeling about that? He's like, you know, it's nerve wracking. So I think it's not really going to hit us till it's happening. Um, but my main thing was like, I really wanted this time to be normal. (laughs) Sure. Of course. Oh, I'm, they're like culture, you know, it's not normal, but whatever. Um, and so now I'm just like, what the fuck? Like now there's a pandemic. What if he's not even able to be there? And then you sit there for two days in the hospital by yourself. So I had a, a little bit of a meltdown about that, but I'm I'm hoping that as of right now, they're not shutting stuff down as intensely as like they have in New York and stuff like that. Right. And if they do, you'll get through it. You know, it it'll just take yeah, a like lot of inner strength. Way. Yeah. I mean, I guess. I mean, first of all, I think both Natasha and I, because of our experience, and you've had this experience already already with how intense it is to have a kid, period. I think we're both, am I right, Natasha, kind of in awe of the fact that you're have, you're going through this. It's already so terrifying. And you're going through yeah. this in the most terrifying time in, our, in history. Like, honestly, like, you know, we bow down. Kudos to you for, for just walking through it. I mean, that's the thing about pregnancy, though. It's like, it's coming. The baby, baby coming. I know. It's like Omar coming. Baby, baby coming. But basically, your question is like, is it? Is, are you being rude to tell your parents that they can't come? I mean, like, I know I'm not being rude. It's just like, how do I even approach this irrational person? I mean, I guess I just do it. And if he acts crazy, like, that's not me. That's not my problem. Well, I mean, the you have thing to understand. I mean, you the- have to say we're taking social distancing very seriously. It's very important for these next three weeks to be we'll reassess it at this time you know we love you can we please facetime and zoom yeah like basically as you know because you've already had a kid like your dna you know your spiritual dna gets you know reconstructed when it comes to having a kid something so incredibly helpless that you that you are the person that's there to take care of it so like if you're worried about your like guilty jewish dna making you feel like guilt i i have a feeling once that baby comes you're not even going to be tripping off of your irrational dad going like well what about me what about the dog first the dog now this you know it's like you're just going to be like sorry dad no you know it's like it's it's it the guilt i feel like will go away when the primacy of what you have to do with that little kid comes but in terms of making your dad because like probably he's being annoying and irrational because he's like scared and sad right i mean that's the reality of it but also that whole that whole boomer generation like isn't doesn't want to be old right they don't want to admit that they're old and they don't want to like social distance that much right they want to just say i can do it everything's fine i guess that's that's a fair point but that's not the that's not the point here isn't that he needs to social distance. It's that you are social distancing because you've got a hospital worker in your house and a newborn coming. Like, 
So I think to me, like, have, did you see that video? There's like a meme going around. You know, I'm the meme king. There's a meme going around <laughs> of like uh, uh, three generations with social distancing. It's like this heartbreaking picture of a uh, a dad bringing his newborn to to his dad to his father through a window, and the dad is on the inside oh. looking at the little grandkid. Have you seen that? No, I've seen like the anniversary one, but yeah, I'm, so it's <laughs> all something similar. Yeah, so as corny as it is, like. That's so an option for you to take your newborn baby uh, over to your dad's place and say, this is, look, and hold, hold the, your child up like Simba in The Lion King or Kunta Kinte <laughs> in, uh, in Roots and say, here is your grandchild. And it'll be nice and it'll be sweet and he'll, it'll be all that he can get because that's what you're offering. We're all the boy in the bubble. Yeah. We're all the boy in the bubble. That's so sad. <laughs> Well, good luck. Birth. Here's the positive. Thank you, guys. Here's the positive. I'm just realizing right now. It's all so scary, but I just know that everything's going to be okay for you. You're going to get through it. No complications. Everybody's going to be healthy. I can feel it. The positive is there is literally no time more well-suited for shelter in place than I know. the months after having a newborn. I mean, you don't even... We did that... We did that two years ago without the pandemic. I know. I'm kind of pumped that I just get to be alone with the baby. <laughs> totally. Also, you seem so calm. Like, what's your secret? Is it marijuana? <laughs> yes, I love getting high when I'm pregnant. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't know. I think just I've been busy becoming a teacher because now schools are out for like a couple months and I've just been busy and you know, doing laundry and vacuuming and eating um, and just knowing that the, it's going to happen either way. Totally. It'll be good. It will be good. Like it you're kind of feeling good. like a housewife, right? I, I kind of I kind of feel like that too. I know. It's, it's real weird. It's kind of cool to not have to work and get to... The only thing that sucks is like now I'm just sitting at home, like existing very pregnant and thinking about it. Like how uncomfortable I am. So yeah, I'm just ready. That's so hard. Well, you're going to get that baby out. You can FaceTime your annoying dad every day, and you can show him the baby through the window, and it's going to be you're 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 about to have the the nicest incubation period anyone can have in these trying times because you get to hang out with your new baby. So we're excited for you. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay. Good luck. Bye. Bye. I mean, yeah, that's that's something. I mean... Inducing on Saturday. I, yeah, that seems like a lot. Yeah, the universe is like, don't have kids. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, I got one already. It'll be here Saturday. But I mean, God, the kind of... Can you imagine being the dad and being like, come on, let me just touch the baby a little bit. It's like, I mean, what she is going through seems very intense. It is intense. Because now I just read in New York, and I don't know, did she live in New York? Where, where no, Dallas. She? I read in New York that, yeah, they're they're thinking about, in certain areas, not letting anyone come to you, come with you. Right, you got to do it when alone. When you give birth. Like, not even a husband, a doula, nobody. Yep. That's scary. If, you, if most... you couldn't have come with me, I would have been so afraid. Well, who would you have chosen, me or the doula? <laughs> I don't know. No, you, you, you. Oh, really? Don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but it was such an emotional time. I, I would have, I, I would have a really hard time. Maybe the second one, I'd be okay. 
Right. <laughs> You're a little bit more grizzled. <laughs> well, geez, to everybody out there, uh, that's the thing I'm thinking about, is that everybody out there has their version of the freaked out like circumstances that they're in. I mean, this woman's is particular and specific and intense, but like there are old people out there that are terrified and there's old people out there that are uh, that are uh, there's immunocompromised people out there people living with with diseases and diabetes and hiv and lupus and all this stuff like everybody's got their own little crisis and like the, the, these are relentless times viruses don't care about your heart of hearts but we still have like each other and, and that's kind of a beautiful thing we're sheltered in place we're all sheltered in place and we're all connecting to the people that we love and i loved what the doctor said last week he said social isolation not uh, physical physical isolation. isolation not social isolation i thought mm-hmm. that was good like i feel closer to my friendship circle than ever because we're all calling and checking on each other and that's been actually really nice and it's nice like that video that you sent to me you know there is more to life than going out there is what you have at home and inside and there's always the movie tombstone which i think i want to <laughs> get off this podcast and go watch <laughs> okay okay (laughs) well guess one more thing i thought i'd tell you before we go okay i really i love tombstone i think it's a good movie well you guys like kept talking about this movie that i had no reference to (laughs) no (laughs) let's go watch it you want to watch it right now no it sounds awful it's a western you love westerns with val kilmer it's a western with val kilmer you know, actually, that does sound kind of good. Let's go do it. I do like Westerns. I like Westerns, but you know what I love? Hmm. You. Oh, I love you too. <laughs>